song. Thank you for that. I did want to say just a, a special thanks to Brother Zach Gallon-Gerlong for putting that video together. did a great job with that. Appreciate that, Brother Zach. Our scripture reading tonight is going to be 1 Samuel chapter 16, 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to be reading verses 11 through verses 23. Uh, 1 Samuel 16, I'll be reading uh, verses 11 through 23. Uh, there are Bibles there in the seat back in front of you, and the verses will also appear there on the screen. Those of you who are able, if you'll stand at this time for the reading of God's Word, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 11 through 23. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came unto, upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player of an harp, and it shall come to pass, when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants, and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and plain, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and a prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse, and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread, and a bottle of wine, and a kid, and sent them by David his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul, and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this uh, great day. <coughs> and it, uh, can you see that all right? You, um, you can tell the scene, I guess, there, some, some sheep in a shepherd or in a pasture. And uh, the, the image uh, is, would be reflective of David's life in many respects. He was known as the psalmist of Israel, man after God's own heart. And what, I, what I'd like to do is for uh, at least a little while, uh, maybe spend our Sunday evenings together going through David's journey through the Psalms, where he was when he wrote certain ones. We won't cover them all. It, would be, it wouldn't be impossible, but it'd take a couple years. Um, if we covered them all. Um, I, I do want to say this also, that there is some, uh, some question about exactly which occurred when, and where was he when he wrote this, and what were the events as they unfolded. And it doesn't matter who you read, different men have different opinions and ideas. And what I try to do is 
try to get some type of a consensus about what might have been uh, happening, which he might have written at that particular time. And uh, not from me, but from others who are much smarter than me. Also, what I'd, what I'd like to do in this series is really highlight some of the big, big events. Uh, being anointed king is kind of a big deal. And so, uh, for, for David, as far as his, his life journey, uh, this, is, this is one of the key, key moments. And so, with God's help, we're going to look at uh, what we'll do, what I'll try to do is look at the passage where the event unfolded in Samuel and then parallel it with what David was musing in the Psalms. Does that make sense? So the passage that we read is 1 Samuel chapter number 16. The Psalm to which we'll refer tonight is Psalm 39. Uh, I'll have it up here on the screen for you as well, but I I just kind of wanted to give that in way of background so you understand what we're talking about as far as David's journey through the Psalms. Also want to say this, sometimes we think those are the writings of David. Always remember, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's the first thing. And uh, though these are the writings to which David is credited, you have to understand that it is the Word of God. And so uh, we're going to jump right in in the few moments that we have tonight, and uh, we'll try to, uh, if we get this one finished, uh, we will. If not, we'll, we'll run back to it next week. Um, let's pray. Lord, would you help us now, guide and direct our words, our thoughts. We're so grateful for your love and your mercy to us. And Lord, we think about the song even that the young lady sang, we've never been out of your care. And David could have said that. David could have written and penned those words because much of his life he would make such a claim and such a boast about you. And well would all of us to do the same. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us now in these few moments, guide and direct our words and our thoughts, and help us now. We ask and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Psalm 39 is where I'm going to be, but I'm going to be going back and forth, and I have the advantage here of being able to flip uh, very quickly from one uh, a passage to the next. but So the title of this one is The Boy Who Would Be King because David had no idea this was coming. And as that passage that Andy led us in reading, you know the story, and I'm going to hustle through here. You know the story. Uh, they, they send for all of the sons, and David's not there, and they say, have you got another one? He said, yeah, there's one guy, and he's busy, you know, and so, well, send him. So he comes out, and the man of God says, that's the guy. And I'm paraphrasing here, of course, for sake of time and also for, for, for reference sake. He says, that's the one. David is anointed. David knows now with Samuel having anointed him, he knows what, what his future holds. Now, he also has got, he's got a whole lot of stuff to go through before he gets to that place. You know, sometimes in the Christian life, it's important. Hold these, would you? They're banging in my pocket. Um, a lot of times in the Christian life, that's us, because you know what's coming. You've been anointed in some respect because you have been chosen, you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you know what's coming. But it's not coming today, probably. I realize you could be here today, and you could be in the presence of the Lord in a matter of time. I realize that. But probably most of us, we got a whole lot to go through before we get there. And David is in that window of time right now. 
In fact, there are times in David's life when he is not sure that it's even going to happen. Even though he had been promised it was going to happen. You're going to be the next in line. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I don't think it's going to work out. And sometimes in the Christian life, we feel that way as well. So David's journey through the Psalms, and the first one, the boy who would be king, there are several things that I want us to look at. We're in Psalm 39. So I'm going to throw the verses up here from that passage. But if you'd like to have your Bibles open to the 39th Psalm, then I'll also flip back uh, on the screen as well to um, 1 Samuel chapter number 16. So here we go. First of all, we see about uh, David Um, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. So we see uh, in verse number five, behold, thou hast made my days as an handbreadth and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. We see the first thing about David is that he was humbled. He didn't approach this as saying, well, it's no wonder. I, I could see why God picked me. You know, I'm, I'm the shepherd, you know. Now, he, we're going to find out later that he killed the lion and the bear, but it wasn't appropriate for him to start bragging on himself in the presence of Samuel while he was being anointed. Oh, yeah, pick, pick me. You know, I, can, I, I get this. Now, you guys might be shocked looking at his brethren. You know, I know this probably comes as a surprise to you, but I'm not the least bit shocked. I saw this one coming a long time ago. There's nothing about David's character in that way. In fact, those are the reasons why Saul was replaced. In fact, the prophet of God who anoints, who anoints uh, uh, David, he reminds Saul uh, that, that uh, uh, Nathan does, rather. He says, when you were little in your own sight, there was a time in his life, he said, where, where that humility was present. But when God is about to exalt David, David is reminded, what in the world? Man, I, I'm, I'm a nobody. And so we see him as the, the young man who's about to become king in a matter of time, as, as Andy led us in that reading from 1 Samuel. And now we see him writing in the 39th Psalm. He said, what in the world's happening here? I don't deserve this. I'm humbled by God. Uh, and I think he realizes several things. First of all, he realizes we're nothing in and of ourselves. We know the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. But the fact is, none of us can ever do anything apart from God. Uh, we, we, uh, we read the passage of Scripture this morning. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions, they fail not. None of us can ever boast upon ourselves, our own good, our own righteousness, our own accomplishments. David's coming into this. He's getting ready to become king, and he realizes If any of this happens, if this does come to fruition, it'll only be by the good hand of God upon me. Then he's also realizing uh, that he's nothing in and of himself, but he also is humble and recognizing that everything is by God's grace, whether it is uh, our opportunities, the things that God brings into our life. You know, as you go back over your life, you may not understand how God has orchestrated everything, and sometimes those things don't make sense. I remember as Roger was was making that... that, uh, uh, recalling that time when I showed up on that Thursday night, Brother Muster was preaching. My wife was in town for uh, the ladies' meeting over at Grandview, and so I, I came into town and was going to speak uh, for, for Brother Mutchler that weekend. And so he said, I'm preaching on Thursday night, um, and so it's his fault because he said, I'm preaching on Thursday night. Why don't you come over with me? Then he introduced me to the men back in the office, and then he took off. 
And so that's the story. And you guys that were there know that's, that's pretty, pretty much how it happened. And so um, they asked me, they said, uh, would you uh, consider coming to Oregon? And I said, my, I think almost exactly was God would have to hit me over the head um, to get me to come to Oregon. And then Sid said, I pray that he hits you over the head. And is that, is that about right what you said? Is that pretty much it? Um, and so I, I left, I kind of chuckled, and I, really, to be honest with you, in my heart, I thought, that's it. You know, nice people, have a nice life, hope it works out good for you. And that's really kind of what I thought. And then uh, one thing led to another, and, and we're here. But, but, I'm, but I'm humbled, and all of us should be, and realize that when the Bible says the steps of a, a good man are ordered by the Lord, and I'm certainly not claiming to be good at all, I'll use good in term of our righteousness that we are found in Jesus Christ, but the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And while we may not understand how we wound up, we can look back and trace God's hand upon us. Again, I refer back to the song the lady sung so well tonight, I've never been out of his care. And that ought to be the the mantra of every child of God. And we certainly recognize that. So David, we see first of all, that he was humbled, recognized that he was nothing of himself and everything was by God's grace. And then uh, notice in verse number 12, let me see if I can find it here. And I don't see it written in the slides and I apologize for that. Maybe it is. But so I'm going to just quote it. Psalm 39 in verse number 12. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear unto my cry. Hold not thy peace at my tears, for I'm a stranger with thee and a sojourner as well as all my fathers were. So we see the first thing that he was humbled. We see the second thing is that he was honored. Now, not so much in and of himself, but rather he was giving honor to the Lord. He recognized who God was. And everybody's got to come to the place in your life where you recognize who God is. Now, he had several things going on here. One, he had to recognize who the king was. The king was Saul. He had to recognize who the man of God was. Samuel comes. He's about to join him. He had to recognize who's God, who God was, who was putting him in that place. He had to recognize, here I am in, in the presence of my, my father and all of my brethren. And, and here, this honor is bestowed upon me. But he didn't forget who he was. They have an expression in the South. You don't hear it very much, and that's don't forget your raisin. I said it, I said it somewhere a few weeks ago, and everybody was like, what in the world are you talking about? Don't forget your raisin is not referring to, you know, like raisin bran, okay? Um, you know, that's, that, so how many of you never heard, or how many of you have heard that before? Don't forget your raisin, okay? It means don't forget how you were brought up, and don't forget where you came from, that kind of expression. Well, I think David, in this moment, that's where he's at. He's looking around and he's thinking, man, he said, these are my brethren. He said, he said, I'm just out there keeping the sheep. I'm not even going to be fit to go into battle when Goliath's on the scene. And we know how that story turns out. But he says, dad's going to send me, I'm going to be the lunch guy. I'm going to be the, the first, the first Grubhub guy. You know, I'm going to be the guy that's going to start doing the, the carrier. And so he, uh, he gets a text and he goes and he takes the, the cheese and bread and all that stuff and, and takes it to the battle. But David is, he, he's not boasting, he's not proud, he's not arrogant, he's honoring those to whom honor is due, and that's what he's doing. He recognizes the king, he recognizes his family, he recognizes the prophet, but he also recognizes the position. So we see honoring God's messenger, honoring God's anointed. By the way, we know with David, he never lost that. And I'm trying to hustle through here, but remember, when David's hiding out in the cave, that honor for the anointed of God, even though it was his opposition, he never lost it. In fact, when a, you remember the story. We'll get, we'll get to that later. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But you, you remember, a guy, an Amalekite, brings news, and he thinks David's going to be thrilled to hear this. Saul's dead. 
And he said, he saw that there was no more strength in him. And he said, he said, fall on me, which was an expression, kill me now. And so he, he, he said, and so I did. And he, he said, this is from him. And he said, so, uh, and, and David said, hey, you thought that was going to be good news to me? He said, I got news for you. It's not good to, news to me. What in the world were you thinking to lift or raise your hand against God's anointed? Because he never lost the, the fact and the thought and the opinion in his mind, which was God's, and that is he didn't want to lift his hand against God's anointed. So we see that he was humbled. We see that he uh, gave honor to God's messenger, to God's anointed. And then thirdly, honor was given to God. By the way, every time you show up to church, listen to this, every time you show up to church, you're giving honor to God. Because church was never man's idea. Man would have never came up with that. God did. This is an opportunity when we are set apart as a, as a called-out assembly, a group, a body of believers. And, and when we come, you don't come to my house, you come to God's house. And we realize that it's a multi-purpose facility, and I understand all of those things, and we can look at the building and so forth, but really, we're God's people. And if we were meeting outside in the tent right now, it'd still be the church. But when you come here, this is God's house. This is the house of the Lord. And it's when honor is given to God. The very fact that you show up in God's house week after week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Thursday night, or any combination of those is saying, I'm giving honor to whom honor is due. I'm giving it to God because God said, God's the one who said, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much more as you see the day approaching. And so we see that he was humbled. We see that he was honored. And then uh, let me... Uh, let me Hustle over to this one and uh, make sure I've got my verses right. Yes, here, Psalm 39, verse 1. I said, I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. Verse 9, seven verses later, he's saying it again. I was dumb. I opened up my mouth because thou didst it. I'm not sure exactly what is being expressed right here, but David has been told that he's going to become king. And here he is with a great opportunity. Look here, come on. It's just some paper on the floor. It's all good. You never spilled paper on the floor? Come on, I've spilled it before. All right, can't cry over spilled paper. Isn't that what this says somewhere? But look this way. So here's David, and he is, uh, he's told you're going to be king. And he sees the guy whose position he's going to be taking. And we know that David is brought in, by the way, to try to calm this guy down. Here's Saul, and Saul's got an evil spirit upon him. He's, he's ticked off. He's angry. Remember, he's the kind of guy that keeps the spear by his, by his table when he eats supper. I mean, you know, if the mac and cheese isn't just so, you know, spear you, you know, whatever. But he, he tosses spears at supper. So you be careful. You don't want to go to Saul's house for dinner. But that's, that's the kind of guy he was. So, so he's angry. He's agitated. And... And so uh, this evil spirit is upon him. And by, by the way, you talk, you talk about how God works things out. There's a servant in Saul's house who had already heard about David. And so he sends for David. So here's David. He now comes in the presence of the king. Now, can you imagine the temptation that must have been there? This is mine. I'm going to be here. In fact, I'm next. You know, sometimes you're playing a pickup game and you say, got next? He could have walked into the house and said, Saul, got next. Of course, he probably would have had the spear thrown at him then too as well. But this entire passage where he's saying, I'm not saying anything. I was dumb. I kept 
my mouth shut. You know, there's a great lesson there. And that is most of the time, you know, it's like Job's three friends showed up for seven days. They had enough respect of Job in his situation to never say a word. Seven days never said a thing to him. Now, at the end of seven days, they opened their mouths and what they said wasn't exactly accurate anyway. But for that moment, they at least had enough sense and enough respect for Job's condition to not say anything. David is the same way. He comes in and instead of grabbing the the position, uh, we'll, we'll say this thirdly, David was hushed. And it's one of the great lessons that we could all learn, and that is keep silent. You say, what do you mean? Several things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hustle. Don't have an opinion about everything. It's one of the worst things that happens. Listen to me. Listen to me. I, I know we're running out of time here, and I want to I hustle. One of the worst things that happens with social media is you get a chance to tell everybody your opinion. And everybody's got opinions. And everybody's getting on there and saying, well, this is what I think about this. And be, you know, so, someone told me today, not today, they told me several times over the last few weeks, you know, hey, you need to post more. You know, people don't know what you're doing. Well, you know, nobody wants to see my steak I ate last week. Okay, you know, here's, you know, you see all these people at the restaurant, you know, and then they, then they got to post it. I'm thinking, dude, I want to eat it. I don't want to post it. But I got to let somebody know just in case this is better than what they're eating tonight. You understand what I mean? So what are you having? Uh, you know, made run for the border, you know, Taco Bell at, you know, midnight. You know, that's, that's me tonight. And so everybody, and social media just drives our temptation to try to be better. We have to one-up somebody. It's like if Andy and I are talking and Andy tells me about um, his team not doing well yesterday, okay, uh, which they should have caught the touchdown, would have gone to overtime, Michigan might have won. But so he tells me that. So, you know, my first reaction, we didn't even score a point. We had 11 passing yards for the entire football game. 11. I could do that blindfolded. And, you know, I mean, it was just, just crazy. My team is not very good. By the way, my Bengals, 0-7, number one draft pick. We're pushing for it right now. So here's the temptation to try to tell him, oh, yeah, that's nothing, and here we go. And then I want to know when I put it up there how many likes I got. But David has enough sense and decency, and I think it's one of the reasons why God elevated and promoted him. He didn't have to, he didn't have to blurt his opinion out about everything. Hushed. He kept silent. You know, uh, when I, I realized that I'm, I'm older and I grew up in a different time, but it was also a time when, when children were so respectful, they were listening way more than they were talking. And we have kind of lost some of that, and it's affected our culture in a negative way. And so here's David. He's brought into the presence of the king. He's told to play on this harp to try to soothe and calm him. And David recognizes, this is not the time for me to speak. I'm going to be king one day. God told me that. God promised me. But now is not the time. So he was hushed. He kept silent. He was hushed. He didn't have an opinion about everything. And then, oh, I love this. Psalm 39, verse 7. And now, Lord, what wait I for? Well, because he probably was wondering, when's this going to happen? You know, sometimes in life you wonder, when's it going to turn around? It just seems like it's not clicking together. When is this going to fall into place? Or I'm looking for this, or I'm looking for Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright or whoever they are. 
And, and I, 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 this job opportunity, this situation, when's it all going to come together? And so now, Lord, what, what are we waiting for? If I'm going to be king, I, I'm ready. Here I am. I'm ready to go. They anointed me. Samuel anointed me. And so I just assume I'm coming here playing my heart. Boom, I get the throne. But that's not how it happened. And as God leads and directs in our lives, sometimes that waiting becomes problematic. And we want to rush and we want to push, and we want to kind of dictate God's will for our life. We say, well, this is how it ought to happen. It should work out this way. But may I remind you, a lot of stuff that happens in the Bible, we scratch our head about. And, and the Bible says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? God did right. But sometimes we sit there and we wonder, man, what was God doing? Joseph in prison? Really? He was such a good guy. <laughs> what were you doing? But God used that to spare the nation of Israel. John the Baptist? He declared that Jesus, who was who he was, he said, behold, the Lamb of God was taken away the sin of the world. So he's going to be beheaded for his preaching? Paul, who literally evangelized the known world at that time with his missionary journeys, flipped the world upside down, and he's going to be executed for his preaching the gospel? See, a lot of those things, we kind of think, well, yeah, that doesn't make sense. But David here, right in the thick of things, you see this about David's life. Now, Lord, what would I, what I wait for? But he tells us this, and this is what I want you to get tonight, is David, the fourth thought and final thought is this, he hoped. He hoped, and it taught him two things, and you've heard me say this before. Number one is, God's got this. I don't know what you're facing in life, but I'm going to tell you this tonight, God's got it. You just got to let him have it. You've got to take your hands off and you've got to say, Lord, I'm trusting you. I trust you to save me. I trust you to deliver me. And I, I don't know how it's all going to pan out. And David did, could not have known in any way, shape, or form how God was going to direct all these ways. He didn't know when he was facing uh, the, the lion and the bear that it was going to lead to Goliath, nor it would lead to such great accolades within the kingdom. And everybody at that moment, they knew who David was. Right now, not a lot of people do, but that day's coming. But David had to understand, and so do you and I for everything we face in this life. Trust him. God's got this. And then secondly and finally, God's got me. You know, there are a lot of times in life where I have to remind myself. You say as a pastor, you should never have to remind yourself of that stuff. Really? Okay, thanks. But I still do because sometimes... Uh, Whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that you're thinking about, whatever has grabbed your attention, whatever happens to be the thing that uh, you're riveted on and you're focused on, and sometimes it can, be, it can be your health, sometimes it can be your finances, sometimes it can be relationships, and you look at all of those things, David is understanding, man, he didn't pick any of my brothers, he picked me, that's not going to work well at Thanksgiving. But God's got this. And here I am now in the presence of Saul, and, and I, I just came to play my harp, and I, you know, I, I know his reputation. I don't want to toss him a spear my way, but I know God's got this. And ultimately, at the end of David's life, he realized God's got me. No matter what you're facing today, tonight, tomorrow, this week, this month, God's got it, and he's got you as long as you're his child. As we go through David's journey through the psalm, it's important to understand that David, right here at the very beginning, he honored God's messenger, God's anointed, and God. He was humbled that God would even choose him. He was hushed because he didn't want to give an opinion about everything. But he had great hope that God had him and God had his future. 
And that's a great lesson and a great reminder for all of us. Shall we stand tonight?